Welcome to the Diageo Bar Academy podcast, Bar Chat. This is your host, Tristan Stevenson. On this episode, I am joined by three guests, Caroline Rosen, Hannah Sharman-Cox, and Siobhan Payne. Caroline is the president of the Tales of the Cocktail Foundation, which operates the biggest trade cocktail festival in the world, held in hot and humid New Orleans every summer. Hannah and Siobhan are the founders of London Cocktail Week, the world's biggest consumer cocktail festival held in, you guessed it, London every autumn. On this episode, we discuss how the events of the past year has impacted the events industry, how the industry has responded with digital and decentralised content, and we look at how Tales of the Cocktail and London Cocktail Week are planning to hold their events this year and what the future of cocktail events might look like. Hope you enjoy it. Caroline, Siobhan, Hannah, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. So good to have you on. I've been looking forward to this one for a number of reasons. First of all, because I think it's a really interesting topic that we're going to cover around bar events. But secondly, perhaps most of all, because I know all three of you and I know that you're great speakers and I know that you're going to make my job very, very easy today. <laughs> when you say great speakers, you just mean like big chatters. Yeah, you love to talk. <laughs> but the, the content of your talk is also high quality. Great. Uh, which is what we like on this podcast. So anyway, look, it's great to have you on. Um, Caroline, go on and spill the beans. Where are you? You've made us all jealous. Tell us. I am actually in Oaxaca right now. So I moved to Mexico City in October and have been down here and am ec excited to be safely getting back out into the world. Caroline, I want, can you kick things off by talking a little bit about Tales of the Cocktail, about its history and about your involvement in it, please? Sure. Um, and, you know, very fortunate to be on today with these other wonderful ladies who I feel probably know about as much as t about Tales as I do. Uh, they're veterans as well. But Tales has been around for 19 years. It is a gathering of all the amazing people of our industry from bartenders to bar owners to brands and it's a weekend held in July uh, usually in July in New Orleans we have about 30,000 people from all over the world get together and really learn about education network launch of new products and the spirited awards so it's a really really wonderful experience and I've been with the uh, organization for a little over three years now and I'm excited to continue uh, innovating and making it better and better each year. Yeah, I mean, anyone listening to this podcast has probably heard of Tales of the Cocktail, I would think, but um, that's, a, that's a good introduction to it. And I, it's, it's kind of got this cult status now, um, or it has done for some time, really. Um, and it's, I, for me, it's sort of a combination of factors. One is, without doubt, the city of New Orleans, which is just one of the most fun, um, you know, bright, happening places I've ever been to. It's got its own sound, its own look, its own smell. Uh, it does. It's just, <laughs> it's just an experience going there. I mean, it's like going to a real life living theme park. Yeah. Um, that is sort of and, and there's so much history there as well it, it, not obviously real history but then also alcohol history as well which of course is is uh, more interesting to us absolutely and um you walk around the place and it's just dripping in it and so for anyone who's not been 
I would, I would first of all, and I'm sure um, Siobhan and Hannah would agree, advise to try and get there and do it. And I, I know that this, this year that might be difficult, but um, it really is an event that you kind of throw yourself into full force. Um, <laughs> you know, it, it is literally, and I've, I've lived in New Orleans for my entire adult life up until very recently. And you know what I think it is, is it is literally the hottest time of year in New Orleans. It's 100 degrees, 120% humidity, and it bonds you. Like, you can't do your hair. You're going to be sweating everywhere. Just get over it. Like, everyone is the same at the end, and I think it brings you together. And, uh, again, the city is just, it is hospitality. It is drinks. It is food, architecture, music, and it's a really wonderful time to celebrate it with our community. Let's talk a little bit about what's happening this year in a minute. Um, first of all, Hannah and Siobhan, do you want to give an introduction to London Cocktail Week, um, which is sort of growing from strength to strength? I remember in its first year. When was that? When was the first year? 2010. Whoa, okay. And honestly, it was a reaction to Tales of the Cocktail. So we'd been going over there the years previously um, and utterly enjoying ourselves, obviously. <laughs> um, but it was just like, you know, all these people are coming to New Orleans. Well, all these people should also be coming to London. And so really that's, that was kind of the, the impetus of where Cocktail Week started. I think originally um, was going to be another opportunity for the trade to come together. But actually how it's transpired, and um, I guess it's just because London is a different city to New Orleans, um, that very quickly the consumers got hold of it and it became predominantly a consumer festival. Now in year 12, we're, you know, an 80, 85% consumer facing festival. Um, so whilst the trade do engage, um, it, it, it really is an opportunity for us to have the conversation with members of the public and, and to put forward our industry and show it at its best. Um, and it, so in, in that sense, it's all about us celebrating the best of what London has to offer with regards to cocktail culture. Um, and it gets a really good reaction. And, and without being too full of ourselves, um, we do think we have contributed to, you know, the rise and rise of cocktails in, in, the, in the London drink scene. Um, and it's always a really nice opportunity for everyone to kind of get together and celebrate that. So, so OK, I'm interested about the sort of consumer facing versus trade facing. Um, so with London Cocktail Week, did that sort of initially happen quite organically? And then you're like, OK, right, we need to sort of actually divert more attention to consumer. Or was there ever, a, you know, was it, was it conscious a decision from the start that it was going to be more consumer? So initially, the plan was that it would be a trade festival. And we set 5,000 tickets available, which we then thought would just go to our 5,000 friends. Um, and that probably sounds like a bit smug that we thought we'd have 5,000 friends, but like, we were used to going to Tales of the Cocktail. There's a lot of people there. And so those 5,000 tickets, because I'd had a PR background, um, I sent the press release to Time Out, I think, and a couple of other London papers, and they really ran with it. So the 5,000 tickets went to people that I've absolutely no idea who they were. And in the old days, we used to make people come and actually collect their wristband because we were nervous in cases people were awful. And we numbered them as well. They were all numbered and the, num the number was allocated to, to each person. Because Hannah always says it's because then if 
if a bar if they misbehave and a bar sends the number in that they've misbehaved then we can tell, say that they never will come again that never happened the, the amount of labor intensity that it took to number every wristband and then allocate it to an email address <laughs> at point of collection because hannah was worried that someone might misbehave and not once Right, you're just barcoding people. It's like it's like something out of uh, 1984. It didn't feel quite so creepy in 2010, to be honest, Tris. <laughs> <laughs> there was barely Facebook and definitely not Instagram. Like nobody knew who anybody was, so it was kind of I don't know. It just I just felt so nervous about the amount of people. Anyway, cutting to it, the next year we were like, well, those 5,000 tickets went really easily, so let's just unlimit the tickets and see how many we get rid of. And so we went from five to 17,000 in from year one to year two. And at that point, and still, again, they were majoritively consumers because, as we all know, it, you can ask bartenders to pre-register for things, but on the whole, they like to do it on the day. And so there were 17,000 consumers in year two. And, and from there, pretty much, we were like, well we'd be mad to think this is going to be a trade event we we're going to be you know we have this is such an unusual and exciting opportunity we should make most of it and so since then since 2012 we've been solely focused on on making sure that we offer something really interesting to a consumer but i mean when it gets big enough a consumer event you kind of need the trade anyway right i mean you need the trade on board to you know, uh, hosts. You know, do do the uh, do the sponsored stands and things in the cocktail village. Well, that, yeah, that's that's exactly it. It's the the trade is still engaged in the festival in vast numbers. You know, we partner with two hundred and fifty last year, three hundred and fifty the year before of the best bars in the capital, and all those bartenders that work behind those three hundred and fifty bars are engaged in the festival. They're just. They're outward facing, I guess, rather than engaging from an educational well, point of view. They're like doing their normal job, basically, aren't they? Right. I mean, it's just that there's more of a captive audience there because these people have been whipped up into a frenzy and, and bought their wristbands. And they, they're, they're so excited to go out and drink cocktails around London during that week. Right. And do you know what, Trace? Like the thing is, and Shiv and I have talked about this a lot, but like it's it's always going to be a trade event because we're from the trade. Like, we'll always take care of the trade. The trade will always get free tickets. They'll always, you know, that we'll always put something on for them. There'll always be a party, or this or that. Like, that's just intrinsic for us. That's, that's almost like, that's our hospitality, is back to our trade family. But, but ultimately, the opportunity to talk to, like, 25,000 people sensibly, like, properly sensibly, not just like, this is a mojito, like, sensibly. These are delicious drinks in the best bars in London. That's a that's an amazing opportunity. So, you know, we we're just we're very very careful, and and thankful for that. To be honest. And I just want to hop in and say, like, and everyone looks at London. I mean, London is such a powerhouse across the globe for drinks that it's so great that you're teaching consumers the best of the best because then they go out and travel and they're more knowledgeable. I I think it's huge, and I think it helps all of the industry. Yeah, I agree. So. Um... With Tails, it's a bit more industry-focused, right? Uh, what Do you know what the sort of... I mean, con consumers still buy tickets, though, right? And they come and look at watch events and things like that. And obviously, they're in the bars. But it seems like it's a really trade-dominated event. I mean, that's why, 
you know, you're such a global audience from the trade, right? Yeah, I mean, we're 80, 85% trade, but I think, and, and we're going to stay, I mean, we love the trade. That is what we do. That is what we do really well. But I think it's so important now more than ever as people start to re-enter and start to, I mean, there are going to be new habits that are being made. I mean, everybody has had such a shift over this last year that, um, I think consumers are going to play a huge part in supporting our bars and our bartenders. And I'm really excited with the work that what London Cocktail Week does and other festivals like that because, um, I don't know, right now I'm just focused on bartenders and bars and how we can help them. And a great consumer that knows what they're doing can help. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you sure. know? I mean, uh, do you think, are there any other festivals that you guys go to you, I know you. Well, we all normally travel around. No, um, <laughs> Caroline's still traveling. Uh, <laughs> but uh, back in those distant years where we used to travel a lot, which other ones um, impress you or inspire? We're always thinking about this about what the what the events and festivals that inspire us are. Um, and there's a brand in the UK, um, Caroline. I don't know if this it comes to the US. It's called Taste festival um and it's about it's a it's predominantly a food festival but it's about all taste so it's about there's drinks and and um, um chefs and all sorts of things um and we always look to taste because it, it has such a huge reach um it's a it's it's a, a live show so it's a it's a in a park in london um in the summer um, and that's one that we always kind of look to and and are inspired by um, just because the consumer engagement is so fantastic. So um, we're always quite impressed by that. Yeah, I mean, um, chefs and consumers is always an easier... It feels like it's still an easier sell-in, right? So okay. we're not quite there yet with drinks, but I don't think it's going to be... Too, I feel like I've been saying this for about five years, but I don't think we're too far behind that. Maybe that's why we find it so inspiring, because we know that drinks can get there yeah. and will. And so, you know, we can look to those food events and, and say, you know, in five years' time, it, the, the drink side of things is going to have that bigger an impact on a, on a regular basis. Um, so, yeah, taste. And then from the drink side of things, I mean, um, we always enjoy going to Berlin um, for Bar Convent. Um, just the scale of that show is amazing. Um, and, and we went to the, the Brooklyn version as well, and we really enjoyed that. Berlin's um, like ultra trade, isn't it? I don't know if there's many consumer there at all. It's so, so trade dominated. But considering what they build, Tris, that's just, just trade, so that's only talking to ourselves. Like, it's yeah. an outstanding achievement. But that's, I think that's what's so great about it, because even though it's your job, you still want to be amazed and wowed and impressed and, and have something that makes you feel something. And actually just having a trestle table in a, in a hall isn't going to make you feel that. And just because it's your job, it doesn't mean that it's, you're going to suddenly be interested. Whereas actually, it's nice that those installations at BCB are so amazing because it really does bring the brand to life and it's important to bring the brand to life whoever you're talking to. Well, that's why I guess the brands have to sort of up the ante so that you feel like you're learning something new as a member of the trade when you go there. You're, it, you're, you're experiencing the brand in a new light um, and therefore, you know, going to hopefully buy it in the future. Berlin, Berlin sort of, for me, it's like the the ultimate version of the sort of classic bar show 
where you turn up and you just have all these different brands sampling liquids. But what they've done there at such scale is inspired brands to spend a lot of money and put a lot of effort into doing the best they do across a year, typically, um, in terms of you know exposing their brand and putting together a, a great kind of stand or set or whatever you call it. Um, you re- you really see some stuff there that you don't tend to see anywhere else, and like for me, it feels like I and I might be wrong about this, but like you know, you go back far enough. That was how a bar show was, and then seminars started getting thrown in there, and talks and master classes, and you know, then guest bartending and things like that. And then really now, what sort of grown out of that is the likes of Tales of the Cocktail where it's it's really dominated by seminars. I mean it's the main sort of thing I would think is the sort of education piece of it. Obviously there's the spirited awards and the dinners and, and so on, but there's a I mean how many seminars do you do you have at a typical Tales, Caroline? We usually have around ninety two. This year I think we'll have around that much. But y'all just wait for twenty twenty two. I'm talking to these two <laughs> fine ladies. We're gonna do something together. We're all I mean, I am ready to be back in person. With the different shows around the world, the like the, the bigger ones, you know, Tales and BCB and London Cocktail Week. I think what's so nice and Caroline, your point of, you know, you saying we're gonna do something together which we, we can't wait for. But actually they all sit alongside each other really nicely and complement each other and they're not the same you know you, you could come to London Cocktail Week and then go to BCB and then go to Tales of the Cocktail and it's such different experience that you would get from each of the festivals which is so nice and means that you know we're all working alongside each other to bring something different to the world and I think that's the other, the other thing that, like probably people don't know that happens behind the scenes is that we all have conversations so, like, the three of us caught up just a couple of weeks ago. We've got another catch-up in a couple of weeks of how we link Cocktail Week to Tales. We, Shiv and I have got a similar conversation happening with Petra, who runs BCB. We've got a similar conversation with Ivy, that runs Singapore. And actually, like, behind the scenes, and I, and I guess probably people just assume that that, that that probably wouldn't happen, but what a lovely thing that <laughs> actually we're, yeah. like, all out of our own time, finding time to check in with each other, like... You know, is things all right? Can we do more? Can we? What are you focusing on? What are your dates? Do we work? Do we fit in together? Like it's it's a really, it's actually a really nice little niche part of the trade where we all hang out on Zoom. <laughs> Zoom, yeah. I was gonna say I I can't I don't think we've ever all been in the same room together, but that would be quite a nice dinner. To Wouldn't have. it? We should do that. <laughs> but we should do it we when should. it's not at one of our festivals. <laughs> We should yes, plan like very a, good point. <laughs> a time separate. <laughs> and I think that's the other thing is I loved, you know, I got to go to London Cocktail Week and then BCB and I just had the best time because they're not only beautiful and wonderful and engaging, it wasn't mine. <laughs> I was like, are you okay? <laughs> Can I get you a drink? <laughs> you know, that runoff. And, you know, it's, it's good that we all get to experience each other's events and enjoy them because they're tough. I mean, all events are tough and we love doing it. But, um, you know, I can't imagine, a, I, I don't want to imagine a world without London Cocktail Week because that's my favorite week. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the same analogy could be for like a bartender. You'd think, well, you don't want to go out drinking in a bar because that's what you you work all day, right? It's like, no, I go out drinking in a bar because I don't have to work in that bar, right? <laughs> you know, I go to the events because we love I'm not coming to it. New Orleans for <laughs> the cocktail. We just have such a good time. It's a, a proper fun 
fun time. It, like, you know, we learn a lot, obviously, and, and get to experience different culture, but it really is relaxing. It's exactly as you said. Actually, World Class is, 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 a, is one to mention as an event, a drinks event that is just out of this world. You know, bringing so many people together, the level of activation, the level of detail that goes into um, both the hospitality side of it, but also, you know, all the, all the heats and, and the competition itself. It's an amazing thing to go to. Oh, wow. Yeah, I mean, I don't, some people might not categorize it as an event, but it certainly is an event. Um, it, you know, it's not a bar show as such, but it's an expose of, of cocktail culture. There's no question about that. And definitely a great event for both industry and consumers because you get to kind of see a show, a spectacle, you know, increasingly so as well. I think in recent years, they've got a lot better at um, making it a spectator sport because cocktail competitions can sometimes be so dull. <laughs> Um, let's be honest here. Uh, <laughs> um, but what they've they've got um, that some of the um, uh, the one they did in Mexico actually with the lucha libre uh, wrestling speed round that was amazing. Well, they, in Glasgow, all that technology where they were all on the screens mm. doing the speed round that was amazing. Oh wow, I loved it. Yeah. I'm always surprised at the ingenuity of brands and of Tales of the Cocktail are coming up with new locations for events in New Orleans where you go, how, how haven't we been here before? This place is incredible. I mean, New Orleans is just, it, it was so funny when I was, you know, looking to, to make a change for a little bit. I, I, there was nowhere else in the U.S. like it. It is just so enriched. And I'm really excited. You know, we're working on some amazing things to really help the community for longer. And, you know, I can do a little sneak peek and say yeah it may have something to do with mardi gras everyone comes in town for tales but my favorite day of the year in new orleans is mardi gras day so okay. uh I'm stay in. tuned for that <laughs> i am in when is mardi gras well it changes any excuse to come to tales twice in a year so um what What's happening this year with Tales of the Cocktail, Caroline? How, how is it? How is, what's the format? Yeah, absolutely. So um, last year we went completely digital and we were in September. Um, this year with the world reopening in different phases and knowing since, you know, our, our world is 80 to 85% bartenders, bar owners, um, people just don't have the resources to travel and what we want to do this year is, again, keep 99% of our content digital. We're going to be back in September for this year. But and if it's appropriate and safe, we're hoping that communities can have pop-ups. So it'll kind of be a Tales of the Cocktail schedule in your city. Um, and we want local communities and local trade to come out and support one another, stream education, have pop-ups, again, if it's safe. Um, and so it's a bit of a hybrid this year, and then we're going back in 2022 to July. So okay, we're getting there. Great. <laughs> and so the seminar proposals are all in, right? So they that's are. done. Yeah. So we're going to look forward to see who's talking. And then what about Spirited Awards? Is that going ahead as usual, but virtually kind of thing? You know, the Spirited Awards are definitely going to look different this year. Um, bars haven't been open. Uh, it's been such a unique year. It's also our 15th year. So I think that we'll talk a lot about 
where the cocktail industry is, how we've gotten here, who are some of those uh, heroes within our communities globally and, and what they've been doing. But I think we're still working on that. But I mean, listen, there can't be a best high volume bar this year. That's, that's <laughs> you know, that's not a thing. So um, again, we want to celebrate the community. We want to gather, but um, it will look very different. Um, so what's London Cocktail Week 2021 looking like? Because that's not till October, right? We worked out a way that we could still be a real event. Um, it just, uh, we, were, we, were, we were fortunate. There's no other way of putting it. We just managed to squeeze an extended version of the festival in, in the whole month of October without a lockdown. And actually what, what we feel pleased about is that it, it, was, it was a glimmer of light for some bars and it really did help to drive footfall to bars at a time when they needed it most. It was, and it was a really safe way of exploring the city um, and still enjoying the city whilst, you know, keeping, keeping to the rules and, and staying safe. So um, we do feel proud of what we achieved with London Cocktail Week 2020. So with that in mind and considering that actually unfortunately we're not in that much of a different position than we were last year we hope that we will be by then but um we're, we're essentially going to be replicating what we did in 2020 because of of restrictions we're, we're not going to be running a cocktail village this year um but the the activations are going to be happening within the bars across london so there's still going to be lots and lots of experiential experiences happening um but it will be around the, the the bar venues rather than in one big space what we tried to do what we felt was really important is that us taking a blank space and and building something within that was maybe not the best use of spend when other people's businesses were not doing what they should do and so so we made a rule last year and we're, we're not really keen on rules on the whole we don't we tend to let most people do exactly what they like but we just you know we just made it a, a point that you couldn't hire a, a blank space and put that money effectively to just a faceless landlord um if you wanted to if you wanted to pop up in 2020 and this will kind of be the same in 2021 that it has to go to a venue where you're building your brand world, but within somebody's, uh, you know, own bar or whatever. So it just, it just, it just redirected funds a little bit, you know. And look, we, you know, Caroline, you're the same. We're so fortunate. We sit in the middle of, of these brands who want to help. They really do. But, mm -hmm. you know, sometimes bar owners are not as keen to talk to brands as they are to talk to us, or they're not as they don't feel yeah. that they can be as open, or that they can. You know, they don't want to seem like they're being greedy or ungrateful or whatever. Whereas actually when it's when it's us, they'll have maybe a franker conversation. And so we spent a lot of last year on the phone to a lot of people just asking, like, actually, what will help? And actually, what can we do? Because we, you know, that we've enjoyed running this event, Carolyn, same for you, for all these years. We now owe it to pay it back. Right. It's our this is our duty and it's our time to kind of take care of our cities and, and you know, boost the tourism, um, to boost the bars, boost the economy. Like, we've got the, we've got the power to do that. With, with that number of people coming through a city, you know, we're, we're sitting at, ordinarily, we're sitting at kind of the same kind of numbers, right? 25, 30,000. That's mm -hmm. a lot of people and that's a lot of cocktails if you, if you take that responsibility seriously. And so it's something that Shiv and I, and as I say, I can't speak for you, but I'm sure you're doing the same, is like, 
you know, this this is a real chance to to do something really worthwhile. So yeah, we've we've kind of taken that responsibility quite quite heavily. Yeah, and and Tails is the same way. I mean, we we aren't having a hotel hotel block this year, and we plan on again as long as it's safe. And New Orleans is vaccinating at a very rapid rate right now. Uh, everyone over the age of 18 is now eligible to get a vaccination in New Orleans, and they're free. And it's at the conference center, and there's a brass band. I mean, you, I think everyone that used to run Mardi Gras exactly is now running the vaccination. It's really one of the best things I've ever seen the city do. And uh, we're the same way. We've had brands reach out and say, well, sh- what, what bars are you going to be at, and could we rent something around there? And we were like, nope every dollar we want going back into the bars for the bartenders for the bar owners yeah hannah i think you touched on another interesting point there where sort of events serve as this almost broker or middleman between bars bartenders and brands and because it's the it's sort of obviously bars are using brands all the time but there might not be a relationship there but with events you 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 see these two come together and whether it's uh you know a brand bringing in a bartender to show off their product or sponsoring a talk given by uh, you know an industry figure or you know supporting a venue by putting an installation in there and that's i think a really powerful thing that events like london cocktail week and tales of the cocktail bring to the industry because it's supporting both ends of the sort of um business you know the, the drinks business it definitely is and that's why it's you know it's when you say like oh you're a trade event or you consumer event it's like it doesn't like ultimately we're just we're just trying to do the best by our by our trade number one and our city number two like and yeah i mean it's it's funny like when people are like oh what's the proudest moment you're like when we do something that's city-wide like when we're at an event and the mayor's there or when we're like it's it's like what are we allowed to do this? Like we really like, you know, it's a bonkers thing that like the three of us, you know, idiots on the whole, all of us are just allowed to do this stuff, you know, and like we're allowed to be these gatekeepers of our city, and it's like that's you know you just can't you can't you can't not take that seriously, right? No, totally. Um, so I think there's obviously a lot of challenges right now in respect to running an event. We've talked a little bit about that. But I'm interested in understanding what challenges there are outside of, you know, a pandemic. Um, and, you know, Hannah and Sharon, you started this thing from scratch. So what were the initial challenges with setting up London Cocktail Week? The challenges are, there's stupid challenges, like, will anybody turn up? Like, does anybody care? Does anybody want to come? Will anybody buy a ticket? Right. So that's like challenge over there. Then there's the challenges of like, is this legal? What's the licensing around this? Have we done everything right? I mean, look, the challenges are just, like, honestly, Tris, they're pretty much endless. And I think if we, if we verbalised on things like this how difficult some of this was sometimes, I think it would be worse for everybody. And I think, actually, sometimes you have to just suck it up and, and have those sleepless nights. What does it look like from a sort of planning perspective? Because, you know, quite a short-lived event in the context of an entire year, but obviously a lot of work goes into it beforehand. I mean, Caroline, are you sort of finishing one Tales of the Cocktail and then immediately straight on to planning the next one, basically? A hundred percent. We take a week off and then we go right back in. Um, you know, it's 
for us, it's, you know, we have an education committee, we have a grants committee, we have a spirited awards committee, we have to look at those committees, we have Tales on Tour, we have not only, you know, finding those partnerships, then all of the different things that go with that. I'm sure just like London Cocktail Week. So yeah, we work on it all year long. It's actually nothing like London Cocktail Week. We have <laughs> us. <laughs> You're right. I have a team of eight. I have a team of eight. So, um, you're right. You're right. But what are you doing straight after the event? Because no, like I most, I guess most you got a you got committees. I guess there's planning and stuff. But brands and bars aren't going to really want to start talking about London Cocktail Week a week after London Cocktail Week, right? But a big part of prepping for the next year is evaluating the previous year. Right. And so that. Is a that's a big part of the of the prep, um, and certainly Hannah and I spend at least a month, two months, just evaluating what has happened. Um, then we build the plan for the next year, and then we sell in the plan Execute to the all plan. The, yeah, make the plan, do the plan. <laughs> <laughs> we we go back to every bar, we go back to every consumer, we go back to every brand, we run every stat, and we put all that like. It's something that we've always felt was really, it, we always wanted it to be a real part of what we did so that there was some value for the brands that, that do support us because, you know, we wouldn't, we wouldn't be in the position we're in without the brand support. And so we want to offer them back as much as possible in terms of like, you know, you, you, you know it cost you this and this is what you got. And, and that, that, as Shiv says, that just takes ages actually. So uh, tell me about the challenges of Tales because... Obviously, you came into it when it was already well established, so that must sort of bring about its own complications and challenges. So, you know, what what do you see as the challenges of Tales in general, and then what are the sort of big challenges you've faced since coming on board? You know, I um, I entered Tales at a very low po- point in its history, and I um, was tasked with with really re-engaging with our community and turning it into a true nonprofit. And, you know, the first year I was yelled at nonstop. (laughs) Everybody had a horror story to tell me and it was really, really tough. I mean, to have not been a part of an entity that did build to be so big and then be responsible for it, um, you know, you do have to take that on. So the first year was extremely unique because there was so much emotion about the change of ownership and the direction where Tails would go. Um, I also have to say I did the stupidest thing ever the first year and I came out and I was like, we will do a hundred new things at Tails this year. And my entire team was just like, what did she just say? And so I was like going through the archives and I was like, should we do a, um, a giveaway room like we used to? I think we got to like 12 new things maybe. But, um, you know, it's, it's tough because it is a, um, it's a huge festival with global audiences. Um, new Orleans over the years, I mean, Tales is such an impact for New Orleans, um, but it has gotten a little bit more expensive for our vendors. So trying to make sure that that is, I mean, one of the beautiful things about New Orleans is it is affordable. Um, And making sure that that's still the case. Um, And again, just making sure that we have that balance of education, networking, 
awards, the cocktail apprentice program, our grants. It's, you know, we, when I came in, it was very, very important to me. Um, you know, I was the national marketing director for a, a water in the U.S. called Mountain Valley Water. I had a design firm. I've owned restaurants and a bar before, which I was horrible at. Um, but, you know, it was really important for me to have the industry at the table. And so we went from a director of education to a committee, and that committee is now 28 people. We didn't have a person doing grants. We have a group of 24 people. We divided up the Spirited Awards more into regions and added more people. So for us, it's a lot of working with our community because at the end of the day, it's not my voice. It is our community's voice. And that takes a lot of time to uh, to work with committees, but it is very, very re rewarding. And um, and then all the all the event stuff, you know, getting getting the distributors, you know, you have to have a you have to be distributed in the U.S. and New Orleans isn't traditionally a New York, L.A., Chicago, Miami. So figuring out everything about importing those things. I mean, it's a lot of different stuff, but it's so worth it. And we're getting better at it each year. So that's the good part. <laughs> How do you see this future going? I mean, we kind of discussed what's going to happen this year. Um, let's assume everything's back to normal next year. Um, how abnormal can we make these events? You know, well, how can we kind of what's what? What is the events? What's the and in because I the whole events industry suffered as a result of what's been going on, right? Not just in our industry, but across the board. I, I know people that work in events in in totally different um you know industries, and they're suffering too. But it feels to me like there's gonna be a sort of explosion in a year or so um, when the world realizes that it can get on with its business as usual i think there's definitely an there's definitely an element of that but also we we're we're coming we're going to come back and we'll have leveled up because we've spent all this time working on the bits that we can which is the digital side and the at home and the the remote learning and the remote engagement and so suddenly when we're allowed to do big live events again and when i say we i mean the events industry as a whole, we're going to be, we're going to have a, a whole different perspective to bring to it. And, and that, that's got to be a good thing. There's lots of bad things that have happened, but the, the innovation, like Caroline, the, the platform that you guys created for the, the digital tales last year was incredible. You know, everyone could log in and, and it was its own platform for delivering that education. You know, I, I might be wrong, but I can't imagine that it would have been as amazing if you'd have been having to focus on a massive live event, you know, as well. Totally. So. Yeah. Yeah. So education will be, I mean, one of the things that we learned is we had a hundred countries from around the world tune in and engage in our education. So we'll still have education in person, but we will continue to stream education so the world can have it. Absolutely. What a democratization of mm -hmm. of what we're all trying to do. You know, it's amazing. It's kind of similar for us, actually. Not not to the not to the level. I mean, that your platform was fantastic, but something that we introduced for London Cocktail Week 2020 was London Cocktail Week at home. So we facilitated um, with partners at um, a company called The Drinks Drop. We facilitated um, 
individual cocktail serves that could be delivered to consumers' homes. So suddenly the festival went from being a festival that you could just engage in if you were in London to something that you could engage in nationwide and order those special cocktails from the bars to be delivered across the whole country. So, you know, and that's certainly something, even when we go back to having bigger live events and, and more happening in real life, we're, London Cocktail Week at Home is a big part of the festival now and will continue to be. So that's a that's positive, I guess. Yeah, I, I think it's super interesting to imagine how digital media might feed in to sort of bring events to a wider audience, but also, you know, supplement um, the experience of someone attending in person as well. Um, you know, I think about, you know, how... how um, you might be able to use sort of film and audio. Um, you know, you might indeed employ like a podcast host or something along those lines to come in and interview people. Um, I know one. Um, who's available for work. <laughs> um, or, you know, you bring in YouTube channel for the event, kind of create a broadcast, pla you know, a little bit like where you do details, but, you know, a broadcasting um, studio really to, to be able to sort of stream this stuff out and provide access to to people all over the world it's it, i think it's really interesting and i think that that content will be enriched even further by having people there in person too you know? Absolutely. And to, but to be honest Tris, unless we'd all slowed down yeah we wouldn't have taken the time hand on heart would we have bought in half the stuff that we did last year no we wouldn't we'd have just been like jib, 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 next, next 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 event quick quick turn it around go 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 you know and it's and actually to to stop and say, why are we doing this? Does anybody care? And we, honest to God, was that was the conversation that we had. It's like, is this important or is this silly? At a time where, is, is should silly be celebrated or should silly just go in the box for a year? And it's like, you know, if if the answer is I really care about this and it's got a purpose, then like, crack on, friends. Yeah, well, we did. I mean, this podcast, we we in the, in the last year or the beginning, the first year we did this. So twenty nineteen, early twenty twenty, uh, you know, we we recorded everything in the studio in London, um, which was great, but it meant that everyone had to come into the studio in London. So that was quite restrictive because Caroline's in Oaxaca. Um, so, so when this when this thing happened, um, we were like, well, if we're going to carry on doing this, we're obviously going to have to do it virtually. And then it's like, well, actually, then we can just basically talk to anyone in the world. So and it opens up the whole audience, and so you end up with better contributors because you've 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 opened up the door to you know people in all sorts of parts of the world. And we did one not so long ago for International Women's Day, where I think we had five or six different time zones on the same podcast. Yeah, the number of people on that from all over the place. Yeah, it's loads of, loads of people. But again, yeah. Trish, you could have said, "Let's not bother. It's too much. We can't do it. It's not our time. Let's just let's just put it on hold for a year." Yeah, but like. But but instead, like what's come out of it, and I, I don't know. I just, you know, of course it's of course it's been difficult, but you know you should, as we should all celebrate the small wins. Yeah, absolutely. So if I was to ask each of you in turn, what makes a great great drinks event? Um, you know, maybe perhaps just the one thing that you think really makes a drink event. I know this sounds really obvious, but what makes a really good drinks event is really good drinks. And you would be surprised at how many events you can go to and the drinks aren't good. So for me, the core is 
drinks first because that is what we do and that's what we're showcasing. So really, really good drinks. For, for a time, uh, for a long time, drinks events were famous for serving bad drinks. There was this sort of like, you know, uns, unspoken rule in the industry. It's like, we don't expect to get a good drink because we're at a drinks event. And this this great irony with the whole thing. But it's changed a lot in the last five or so years. It has changed. And there's, you know, there's companies that do amazing drink service at scale. Well, as soon you know, as everyone okay. started batching a little bit more, I think, that changed, right? I mean... I know I tales them batching for years because I used to go in the in the caps room and help them batch my drinks. But um, but a lot of drinks events or or brands at drinks events used to insist on making cocktails from scratch, and they often weren't great recipes in the first place, and then executed poorly as well because they're being often produced by staff who just haven't had sufficient training to do it properly, which is a bit of a shame. So I would say it's a good answer. What makes a good drinks event? Good drinks. Um, Caroline, what do you I reckon? mean? I want a second good drinks, <laughs> but um, I would also say community, uh, the local community, national and global, having a community of people show up. That's what makes Tales really special and London Cocktail Week special is the community. Yeah. Right, Hannah, you got the tougher job because these two have both come up with a good answer. <laughs> yeah, what makes a good drink then? Uh, fireworks. Uh, <laughs> uh, hot dogs. <laughs> um, what makes a good drinks event? Oh, look, a cracking guest list is always good. Yeah. Um, and that takes time. People think that's really easy and it isn't. You have to work at that. And But it's, you know, if you take the time to invite people personally and make sure that everyone's having a lovely time, that's important. Very good music. That's always good. Playing to your audience, that's good. There's loads of stuff, man. I mean, look, Siobhan and Caroline have nailed it. I've been left with the dregs, uh, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but uh, no, it's just, look, it's, a drinks event is effectively welcoming someone into your home, right? Like, it doesn't matter if it's a barnyard or a, or a warehouse or, a, or your actual home. You're just, you know, you're inviting people into your house, so treat it as if you would that. And I think then people feel really special to be there. Well, it's like asking what makes a good bar, right? It's not just one thing. It's a, it's a combination of factors. Um, and, and also, those factors can be different depending on what kind of bar or what kind of event you're trying to produce. But ultimately, like, if you want to be there, then they want to be there. So it's, yeah. you yeah. know. You've got to start with that, right? Produce an event that you want to be at. That's always a good starting point. And if you've got good taste, you'll probably make a good event, right? Right. Right, so um, Tales of the Cocktail is happening when, Caroline? Um, the week of September 20th. Okay. Is Tales, of the, is Tales on Tour still a thing? Is that happening or not? You know, we it, it is not going to happen this year, but look out for it next year. Mm. We're working on it right now. Okay, and the location, TBC, no, can you give us any clues? I mean, your girl's in Mexico. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> um, no, I, I think we're still looking into that. It's it's just a little bit too early to tell because we don't know where everyone is. But it's we love Tales on Tour. We love being able to reach out to our global community. And um, I'm excited. We, we, we really don't know. <laughs> All right, we'll watch this space. And where can we find out more about Tales of the Cocktail? Talesofthecocktail.org. You can follow us also on Instagram, and it's tales underscore of underscore the underscore cocktail. Perfect. And um, London Cocktail Week is happening when? October 2021. So 1st to the 31st for the whole month. Um, for the whole month? Yeah. 
So if you're a member of the public, if you're a consumer, you don't work in the drinks industry, you buy a wristband for £15, and that means that you can go to any of the bars for the whole month and get a special London Cocktail Week cocktail for £7, which is a significant reduction in London. Um, and it's to just encourage people to try different bars and try different drinks and, and explore. Um, if you're a member of the drinks industry, you don't even have to pay £15. You just have to register for your free wristband um, and then you get the same benefit. So you can go to the best bars in London and enjoy a special London cocktail, eat cocktail in any of those bars for £7 with your wristband. And then alongside that, there's events, there's um, uh, things happening in venues, tastings, parties if possible, dinners. And we're at londoncocktailweek.com or you can follow us London Cocktail Week official. Fantastic. Right. Any closing words, guys, before we sign off on this wonderful chat? Just to say, if you work for the NHS, we also give free wristbands to the NHS because God bless the NHS. Um, just just turn up and support. Tell your mates, tell your mum. Just uh, this is real people's lives and real people's businesses and the support means everything. Um, if you don't want to drink alcohol but you still want to engage in the festival, there's a whole non-alcoholic cocktail programme for you. All right, guys, thanks so much for your time. Really appreciate it. And it's been great to see all three of you, even if it's remotely. And uh, thanks, everyone, for listening as well. It's, it's, been, it's been a lovely conversation. I hope you enjoyed it too. It's exciting to think that the industry has events to look forward to, be it online or in person. From the 4th to the 8th of July, Diageo will be hosting its first ever fully virtual world-class global finals, featuring bartenders around the globe competing to be crowned world-class global bartender of the year. Explore a virtual bar of the future, participate in panel discussions, discover city hotspots for world-class, or simply learn how to make amazing cocktails at home. Follow at World Class or visit the Diageo Bar Academy website for more details.